welcome back to another episode of Sea Student Theology, where we try to make Christianity accessible to the average person. My name is CJ Pierce, and I am the pastor at White Sulphur Baptist Church in Georgetown, Kentucky. And today, we are going to be answering the question, does God care how I pray? Does God care how I pray? Maybe you've asked this yourself. Maybe you've wondered, do I have to close my eyes and fold my hands and stare at the floor? Do I have to say the Lord's Prayer in order for God to hear me? Do I have to do these certain things in these certain ways? So we're going to touch on this a little bit. This isn't going to be super in-depth, just an overview of the question, does God care how I pray? But before we get to that, I just wanted to mention, hey, we have a pretty cool guest that I'm excited about coming on the show Um, that's going to be next week or the week after, depending on how scheduling works out. But we're going to be talking about uh, some world missions, his testimony, church planting uh, in foreign countries. And I think there's going to be a cool twist to that that you will be looking forward to and you'll be excited about. If you have any questions that you would like answered or covered here on the podcast, go ahead and uh, send those in to me. You can uh, comment on one of the social media pages or you can DM them. Either way is totally fine. And we will do our best to get to those. So back to our question today. Does God, ca- does God care how I pray? And the first place that I think we should turn to is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 5 through 15. The reason for that is that this is kind of the prayer that a lot of people have grown up with. And they'll recite this word for word, sometimes before they eat, sometimes before they go to bed, sometimes if... Uh, They're in a really scary situation. You'll see this in movies a lot. There's a a doomsday situation happening, and all of a sudden, people start reciting the Lord's Prayer. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to read this passage for us, and then we're going to discuss it. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So when people hear this prayer, when they read it, Sometimes they take it as, I have to pray these exact words in this exact sequence in order for God to hear this prayer, and this is the only kind of prayer that I'm allowed to pray. And I don't think that's what's going on here. He says in verse 9, pray then like this, and this is kind of given as an example or a template for prayer. He might, you could see it like this, that he's saying, um, you know, start with addressing God and telling him how holy he is. Offer some praise to the Lord. And then you kind of move from there and you make a request. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And then from there, um, you give God glory and praise. You make your requests known. You confess. You repent of your sins. And then also, this is really important at the end, you forgive others or your prayers will be hindered. 
That's something that Jesus says. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So, this is seen as kind of a template. Pray then like this. These are the ingredients to a good prayer. Now, does that mean that this is the only prayer we can pray or we have to pray exactly like this every time? No, I don't think that is the case. So one thing that's missing from this prayer is at the very end, you don't see anyone say, you don't see Jesus say, in Jesus' name. And so often we end our prayers with that today, and there's a good reason for that. And that's because he, Jesus said that whatever you ask in my name, it will be done for you. We also say in Jesus' name to acknowledge that he is our intercessor, meaning that it is because of Jesus that we are even able to have the kind of relationship with God the Father to request things from him. And yet, that's missing at the end of this prayer. So, keep moving. If you go to Psalm 74, there's a different kind of prayer that is happening here. Psalm 74, starting in 18, says, Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish people reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. And so here we see a prayer being offered from the psalmist to the Lord, but it's very different than the prayer that we've seen in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. So this is more of a wrestling with God. This is more of an arguing with God. He's asking God, hey, you made these promises. I need you to keep these promises, God. This is a prayer of someone who's in the midst of emotional turmoil, who's maybe facing tragedy, and he's saying, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I remember the good things that you've done, and yet I need you to act now. I need you to keep your promises. And this is a very different kind of prayer or pattern of prayer than we see Jesus offer uh, in the Lord's prayer. The psalmist is not rebuked by praying this way. That's something that we need to take note of, that he isn't rebuked. Actually, in Psalm 75, we see God answer these kinds of prayers. And in Psalm 75, God basically says, don't worry, justice will be done, but it'll be done in my timing. He doesn't rebuke, but he reminds the psalmist that the Lord is sovereign. And then there's another example of prayer. This is the high priestly prayer. It's all of chapter 17 from the Gospel of John. And I'm not going to read it all because it's a lot, but there's basically three main sections to it. Jesus starts by praying for himself. Now, he doesn't start with necessarily exclusively praising the Father. And this is breaking from the pattern that he gave his disciples. Jesus starts by praying for himself because he knows he's about to face something incredibly difficult in the crucifixion. And then he prays for his closest disciples. And then he prays for all the Christians that ever would be. And that would be me and you. And you can go read this in John 17. But this is a different pattern to prayer than we see him offer in the Lord's prayer. Another example is this, uh, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. I'm actually going to read it, picking up in verse 54. 
Now when they had heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died from the stoning. Now, this is a really interesting situation and example of prayer because Stephen does not follow the example in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew by addressing the Father. No, he actually addresses Jesus himself. It says he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So again, breaking from the pattern. And then something else that's interesting to note here, he called out and he says, uh, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when, they his, when, they had, when he had said this, he fell asleep. So his prayer was that they would be forgiven. But we're also told here that Saul was in attendance. And what do we know about Saul? Saul actually has a salvation experience on the Damascus road and becomes the apostle Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He is forgiven, which tells us that even though Stephen did not necessarily follow the pattern laid out first in Matthew by Jesus for prayer, that he broke from that in, in several different ways, that his prayer was actually still answered, and the answer was yes, that some of these people would be forgiven of their sins by the Father. And so what this tells us is that there are several different ways that we see prayer happen in Scripture. Um, not all of them necessarily the exact same words or the exact same uh, pattern or template, but there's a few things that we see that are necessary uh, for prayer that I think pleases the Lord. And it comes down to this, that prayer is about sincerity, prayer is about motive, and prayer is about posture. So sincerity, we mean what we pray. We don't do it to look extra holy in front of other people or to get a pat on the back. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They wanted to pray in public because they knew that it would help their reputation before other religious People. So it's okay to pray in public. We should be brave enough as Christians to address our Father in front of other people, especially other Christians, whether at church or Bible study or whatever. Um, but we don't do it for the wrong motives. We want to be sincere that what we're saying is actually a prayer to the living God and not actually us just trying to perform for the other people in the room. Now, motive. What are you praying for? Maybe take a second and do some inventory on this. Are your prayers always about you and your problems? Now, of course, you should take your concerns to the Lord. We see that throughout the Psalms. We see that in the New Testament. But are they always and only about you and your prob problems? Are you ever interceding for other people, for others? Are you ever just lifting up praise and thanksgiving to the Lord in your prayers? Those also need to be motives in your prayer time. And then the third thing that I said is posture. Are you approaching God in humility? You have to remember that he owes you nothing. That honestly, all of this is grace, unmerited favor. It's undeserved to you that you even get to talk to God. 
that Jesus purchased that right for you when he died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sins. When you place your faith in him, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are then adopted into the family of God and you get to address God as father. He is your heavenly father at that point. So um, posture is really important. And, And here's something else that I would say that I have learned that the posture of your body can help the posture of your heart. So when your heart is proud, put your body in a posture of humility. Maybe that means getting onto your knees and praying. Maybe that means sitting lower to the ground. Maybe that means closing your eyes, putting your head down, putting your hands out in surrender during your prayer time. Whatever that means, find a way to make your body match the posture of the heart that you desire to bring before the Lord. And I think that can be really helpful. Uh, One thing that I think is extremely uh, helpful and has been for me, so this is from Pastor John Piper. He said that our prayer life should never be like us ringing the bell to get the butler to bring us a more comfortable pillow. That's not what prayer is for. That should not be the markers or the pattern of our prayer day in and day out. No, he said that our prayers should be much more like a soldier who is in a foxhole and who's using his radio to rain down artillery on the spiritual enemy, that we're calling in for backup, we're calling in for reinforcements so that we can fight the good fight, so that we can pursue holiness, so that we can chase after the Lord, so that we can endure suffering, that uh, in our prayers, our will would be brought into confirmation with the Lord's will, that we would begin to desire what he desires, and not so much just constantly trying to bend him to fit our desires. And so um, that is my answer to the question, does God care how we pray? Yes and no. Uh, in different situations and in different contexts, the prayers may look different, uh, but he does care uh, the the motives that we have, the sincerity that we have, and the posture of our hearts when we approach him in prayer. And listen, it is way more important to have a short, sincere prayer than a long, insincere prayer. Don't feel guilty if when you're just beginning to learn how to pray or commune with the Lord, that it, that it doesn't last very long. Make those 30 seconds, make those three minutes, those five minutes as sincere as possible with a posture of humility. Begin there and the Lord will be gracious to you and he will help bring you along and show you how to commune with him for longer and longer periods of time. Now, there uh, is a book that I would recommend, and this is uh, Prayer. That's a very simple name right here, uh, Prayer by John Bunyan. He was a Baptist pastor from the 1600s. A great book to help you start wrapping your mind around some of these things. So, uh, this is C Student Theology. Remember to write in your questions if you have any, and keep on studying. 